I'm Rob, and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News for the 8th of March, 2023. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacons. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking dash news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 we hope you enjoy this week's edition. Reading this week, we have myself, Rob, Christine, Angela, Ian, Liz, Helen, Mina, Simon, and of course, not forgetting, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have local news for the black country, an update from Beacon, our fortnightly bulletin of practical information and sight loss tips, the quiz with Mina, the latest news from Wolves and West Bromwich Albion, did you know section from Flashback Roger, the weather for the week ahead, and the final part from Scottish author Liz McIntyre Allen's bestseller, Love Letters from a Desert Rat. Local news to start though, and we have a feature from the Electoral Services at Wolverhampton Council, detailing the changes and support that will be available at polling stations for the forthcoming elections in May. Hello, I'm Chris Lightwood, Electoral Services Apprentice at the City of Wolverhampton Council. And I'm Laura Noonan, Electoral Services Manager. We're going to tell you about the elections taking place in May and the improvements we are making in polling stations to ensure that people affected by sight loss are aware of the support available to help make your mark on the ballot paper. We will also cover the voting options available to you and the deadline dates to apply the postal and proxy votes. On Thursday the 4th of May 2023, there will be local elections taking place in Wolverhampton, where all 60 councillor seats are up for election following the local government boundary review. And these elections are also the first elections to be held under the new measures that have been brought in by the Election Act, which introduces the requirement to show photo ID in a polling station and to also make polling stations more accessible for people with disabilities. So to vote in a polling station, you will now need to bring an acceptable form of ID, such as a passport or driving licence. If you do not have an acceptable form of ID, you can apply for a free voter ID document known as a voter authority certificate. If you need assistance applying for a voter authority certificate in person, there are daily drop-in sessions taking place at Wolverhampton Civic Centre between 10am and 3pm on weekdays. And a full list of acceptable ID and further information about applying for a voter authority certificate can be found on our website at www.wolverhampton.gov.uk forward slash elections. If you choose to vote in person at the polling station, there's a range of support available to you. All of the key signage in the polling station will now be printed on a yellow background, black text to make it more accessible. The slot on the ballot paper will have white stickers around it to make it more visible. 
You can also request additional lighting from polling staff. If you have difficulty completing the standard print ballot paper, you can request the use of a tactile voting device to help mark your vote in the correct place. The tactile voting device has a sticky backing, which attaches on the top of your ballot paper. It has numbered lift-up flaps directly over the boxes where you mark your vote. The numbers are raised and in braille. You can request the use of a large print ballot form from the polling station as a guide to follow or ask someone to read out the lists of candidates to you. This can be a companion or polling station staff. The candidates are in alphabetical order. You will need to remember the number of the candidate you wish to vote for. Then lift the flap with the same number and mark your cross in the box. You can then detach the tactile device and fold your ballot paper in half before posting it in the ballot box. Seeing AI apps or video magnifying glasses can also be used in polling stations as a reasonable adjustment in the Equality Act. Please inform the presiding officer in the polling station if you will be using these before you go to the polling booth. We will be training all of our polling station staff on these apps so that they are fully informed on how best to support you in the polling station. If you would prefer to bring a companion with you to assist in voting, as opposed to receiving assistance from a member of staff at the polling station, this is also possible. Your companion must either be a close relative who is aged 18 years or over, or a qualified elector. The voter should ask the permission of the presiding officer to be assisted by their companion. The companion, not the voter, is required by law to complete a simple declaration called declaration to be made by the companion of a voter with disabilities. The companion should fill out the declaration and sign the document. If requested, polling staff can also assist you with marking your ballot paper. Now going to finally move on to cover some key dates for this election. So firstly, if you are not already registered to vote, the easiest way to register to vote is online at gov.uk forward slash register to vote. Or if you live in Wolverhampton, you can call our office and register over the phone on 01902 555 There are a number of ways to have your say. You can vote in the polling station by post or by appointing somebody you trust to vote on your behalf known as a proxy vote. The deadline to apply to vote by post is Tuesday the 18th of April at 5pm and the deadline to vote by proxy is Tuesday the 25th of April at 5pm. To download the forms to vote by post or proxy, please visit our website wolverhampton.gov.uk forward slash elections. Alternatively, you can contact us to request a form be posted out to you on 01902 555177 or you can email us at electoral.services at wolverhampton.gov.uk. If you are unable to make your signature on the postal vote application form due to a disability, then you can contact us to request a signature waiver. And finally, you can find out more about all of this on our website at wolverhampton.gov.uk forward slash elections. Thank you. Up next, we hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon Update. Hi everyone, it's Helen with your Beacon Update and I'm starting this week with some really exciting news that we have been desperate to share with you. Our family fun colour run to raise money for people impacted by sight loss is back for 2023. The event will be taking place at Wolverhampton's East Park on Sunday the 14th of May. It's 5k and it's suitable for all ages and as participants make their way around the route, there will be four colour stations where they'll get a blast of brightness. doesn't matter if you run, walk or even jump your way around. The most important thing is to have some fun. All proceeds will help our charities work and tickets are £6 for children and it's free for those under three, £9 for running club members and £11 for adults. 
Beacon's Supporter Engagement Manager Sophie Higgins said, Our first ever colour run in 2022 was such a success that we're delighted to be bringing it back. It's such a fun event for all the family and we can't wait to bring a blast of brightness to Wolverhampton in 2023. If you or someone you know would like to sign up, head to Beacon's website www.beaconvision.org forward slash colour hyphen run. You can also give us a call on 01902 Participants can purchase a range of items to use on the day, including sunglasses, a t-shirt and their own colour powder packets if you want an extra blast of colour. Now, did you know that there's an independent living complex on site at our centre in Sedgley? At Beacon Court, you'll not only find a home, but personalised care and support along with a social community that really understands your needs. It's a unique partnership between Beacon and Bromford, providing independent living for those impacted by sight loss on the site of our Sedgley Centre. We have some properties available for rent currently and to find out more, call us on 01902 880 or email inquiries at beaconvision.org. Now, last this week, do you like to live life to the full? Who doesn't, eh? Well, our Beacon VIP group is for blind and partially sighted people who like to try new things and meet new people. Members meet once a month for a social get-together. If you'd like to join them, get in touch. The number, once again, if you need it, is 01902 880 You can also email us at inquiries at beaconvision.org. That's it for this week. I'll be back again soon. Bye. Cheers that update, Helen. Up now, we're on our next block of local news. And starting this one off, we first hear Christine. Former Black Country MP Baroness Betty Boothroyd, the first woman to be elected Speaker of the House of Commons, has died at 93. Baroness Boothroyd was originally from Yorkshire and moved to the Black Country when she became an MP for West Bromwich in 1973. She became the first woman to be elected Speaker in April 1992, staying on in the role until October 2000. The current Speaker, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, paid tribute to Lady Boothroyd, who was MP for West Bromwich and West Bromwich West between 1973 and 2000 as one of a kind. Not only was Betty Boothroyd an inspiring woman, but she was also an inspirational politician and someone I was proud to call my friend. To be the first woman speaker was truly groundbreaking and Betty certainly broke that glass ceiling with panache. She stuck by the rules, had a no-nonsense style, but any reprimands she did issue were done with good humour and charm. Betty was one of a kind, a sharp, witty and formidable woman, and I will miss her. Politicians from across the spectrum also pay tribute to the former Labour MP as an incredible trailblazer and role model for all women in politics. In her later years, Baroness Boothroyd lived in Cambridgeshire after moving out of London. It is understood she visited Manchester a few weeks ago to see the musical Based on Her Life. An Asda employee at a black country store has saved the life of a man after a cardiac arrest stopped his heart. Amy Gripton from the supermarket giant's Sedgley store rushed to the scene after a 69-year-old collapsed whilst shopping with his wife. The 27-year-old, who is five months pregnant, has been nominated for an Asda Service Superstar Award after she rushed to the scene and started to do chest compressions as she couldn't find a pulse. 
She took it in turns with an off-duty care home nurse to administer CPR while her colleague Donna Mackey was on the phone to the ambulance call handler. After administering CPR and using a defibrillator, within minutes the man was miraculously sitting up and talking. Speaking about the incident, Amy said, He was on the floor and I checked for a pulse in his wrist and his neck, but there was nothing there. He'd gone completely. He was clinically dead. Myself and an off-duty nurse started to do CPR, and every time we did it, he seemed to get a little breath, a little gasp, but as soon as we'd stop, he would stop. As the CPR didn't seem to be working, I got the defibrillator out. I've never used one before, but it tells you what to do, so I put the pads on his chest. At first it said to keep on with the CPR, and then it said it was going to give him a shock. It shocked him twice, but there still wasn't any response, so we carried on with CPR, and then he remarkably came round as soon as the ambulance crew appeared, and they took over. It was such a relief to see him alive, and before he left he was sitting up talking to the paramedics. It was amazing. The paramedics and the police, who'd also arrived, couldn't believe how quick he'd come round. The whole thing only lasted about ten minutes, but it felt a lot longer than that. I was just getting on with it, just concentrating on what I was doing. I'm so glad he's okay now and doing well. The man who suffered the cardiac arrest wished not to be named, but had heart bypass surgery and spent three weeks in hospital. He says he owes his life to Amy and the off-duty nurse, who also helped. He said, how can you really thank someone who saved your life? It's amazing what they did. I can't remember anything of that day, just what I've been told. One minute I was in the store and the next thing I remember was being in hospital. Store manager Neil Woodhall, who nominated Home and Leisure Section leader Amy for an ASDA Service Superstar Award, says everyone at the store is so proud of her. He said Amy was totally amazing. She was just so calm. She went straight into the situation, took control and did not hesitate. I was there on the day and I had a tear in my eye at the end as it was so emotional. The paramedics and the police who came were so ecstatic by what Amy had done that they said they were going to put her up for their own awards. They said if it hadn't been for her, the gentleman would not be here to tell his tale. Transport chiefs have been given the green light to explore the business case for a new railway station in Wolverhampton. Government funding has been awarded for Technal Station which is actually closer to Penderford and has been in the planning stages since 2019. The station would sit on the line between Wolverhampton and Shrewsbury and serve as the first stop out of the city before Billbrook. It will allow Transport for West Midlands and the West Midlands Rail Executive to put together a business case for the station ahead of a further funding bid. The station was one of five chosen for £3 million worth of funding from a list of 15 following initial feasibility study, with Tetnall said to have had the strongest case for early development. The case for a station at Brinsford to serve new developments near the M54 will be looked at alongside the Tetnall scheme. Bosses are understood to want to enter the new stations into the planning phase as soon as possible so they can be built and be ready to open alongside Midlands Rail Hub and HS2. Work on a number of new stations across the region, including Willenhall, is already underway, while funding has been allocated for a station in Aldridge. West Midlands Mayor Andy Street said, New stations are taking shape across Birmingham and the Black Country, with diggers in the ground after our success in securing funding. Alongside these projects now underway, we're turning our attention to the next set of stations, and these are a good place to start. Investing in rail stations is levelling up in action. 
helping to regenerate local areas, offer a convenient alternative to the car and driving job creation. It's been described as the best in the world and now Bilston Indoor Market is set to celebrate its milestone 50th anniversary next week. The well-known market opened on March the 12th, 1973 with 88 stalls providing a range of goods and services. Councillor Stephen Simkins, deputy leader of the council, who represents Bilston East, was full of praise for the much-loved marketplace. He said, Bilston Market is the life and soul of the town centre. The market has been there from when I was a child shopping with my nan and mum. And it's not just a market either, it's a meeting place. I can remember my mum talking to her cousins and other family members. The market itself is like a family. It's got a great atmosphere and there's fresh fruit and veg. I try not to shop anywhere else. Every Saturday, me and my son go and do some shopping there and I see old friends there too. It really is a jewel in the crown. We all love the market and another benefit is that it's helping to bring more people into the town. Councillor Simkins added that he would be at the market on Saturday once again, having championed the much-loved site with his saying, Shopping in Bilston, AI. A special event will take place on March 11th with Wolverhampton Duty Mayor Councillor Dr Michael Hardacre unveiling the special plaque. Attractions at the celebrations, which will run from 10am to 3pm, include performances from the Hit the Doll, free face paint and balloon animals for youngsters. The Market Cafe will also be feeding hungry visitors with a special offer on afternoon teas with a celebratory glass of Prosecco. Bilston Indoor and Outdoor Markets include almost 200 stalls, offering a huge range of goods and services, including fresh foods, fruit and vegetables, meat and fish, a large range of fashion, jewellery and shoes and household items. Opening times are Monday, Thursday, Friday and Saturday, 8.30am to 4pm. Now it's time to test your knowledge, as we have the quiz questions for this edition, and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, these are your questions. Here we go. Question 1. Where was the hottest temperature recorded? Question 2. Where was the coldest temperature recorded? Question 3. Which city has been dubbed the Windy City? Question 4. What do worms do in case of a flood? Question 5. What is the weight of the heaviest hailstone recorded? And finally, question 6. What appeared on the ice when the River Thames froze for months? I will be back with you with the answers later, but for now, best of luck. Just those questions, Mina. I'll get my mind working on those. Up now, however, it's another block of local news. Cat owners have been warned to be on their guard after suspected catnappers allegedly tried to lure pets into a van using bread, biscuits and lasers. A warning was made on a Black Country Facebook group where the report read, Hi guys, a quick post to say there is a burgundy sprinter van going round the area trying to take cats. They have just tried to take my nan's cat right outside the house. 
It is not known if the incident last month was reported to the police, but comments on the post indicated the problem was widespread across the West Midlands. One user claimed a car full of four people had tried to lure a cat using biscuits, but it ran away. Another claimed would-be catnappers tried to lure a pet with a laser pen and biscuits. The RSPCA issued advice on what to do if your cat is stolen. A spokesperson for the charity said, It's really concerning to hear reports of cats being stolen, and we'd urge anyone with information to contact the police to help the investigation. As an animal welfare charity, the RSPCA doesn't deal directly with pet theft, leaving criminal matters such as this to the expertise of police. Anyone who suspects their pet may have been stolen should immediately alert police, contact their microchip company to register their pet as stolen, and inform local rescue groups, vets and neighbours. The RSPCA would also encourage all owners to get their pets microchipped. Microchipping is a very easy procedure. It involves a tiny microchip being quickly and simply inserted under the animal's skin, and this then gives the pet their own unique code. The microchip can be scanned and matched to the owner's contact details, which are kept on a database. Thousands of pets are lost and stolen every year, and many are never reunited with their owners, but microchipping can help to change that. While collars and tags can get caught or removed, microchipping identifies pets permanently and effectively. If an owner moves house or changes their telephone number, they must make sure that they tell the database they are registered with so that they have up-to-date contact details. Sanctions ranging from an informal warning to on-the-spot fixed penalty notices will be given to dog owners who flout planned new rules in Wolverhampton, council bosses say. Owners caught allowing dogs into the water at spots such as Tetnor Pool or the fountain in Queen Square, Wolverhampton, will be guilty of an offence and could be fined under the strict new rules. It will also become an offence to be in charge of a dog on public land without means of faeces collection and disposal. It will be a requirement for a person to give their name and address to an authorised officer when requested to do so, and dogs will have to be on a lead at public cemeteries. People in Wolverhampton are now being asked to give their views on proposed changes to the Public Spaces Protection Order, which is to be renewed on October 1st. An online public consultation has been launched on the Council's website, and people are being invited to give their opinions on conditions for dog owners. It is proposed that the majority of the existing measures will stay the same, but some additional controls are planned. Those who flout the rules could expect penalties with council officials authorised to take action, Wolverhampton Council has said. A spokeswoman for Wolverhampton Council said, In 2020, following a public consultation, additional dog control measures were incorporated into the Public Spaces Protection Order. It is due to expire in October. Therefore, we are carrying out a consultation exercise to gain people's views on the existing measures as well as some new ones. Under the proposal, dog owners who break the rules will have their case considered on an individual basis. Sanctions will range from an informal warning to an on-the-spot fixed penalty notice of £80. Members of the public have until April 21st to take part in the consultation, which can be viewed on the Council's website. A Staffordshire RSPCA team is on the lookout for a perfect new home for an ageing cat who has reached the equivalent of 100 in human years. Timmy, aged 20, 
is currently being cared for by the RSPCA in the region, with staff at Hillfield Animal Home now looking for a special retirement home for him. Georgia Coxon from the RSPCA said, Timmy is a very special boy who, as you can imagine at the age of 20, might not have long left, but certainly has enough love to give in the meantime and deserves comfort. He's doing really well for his age, although he will be on hypothyroid medication for the rest of his life and has a small cancer growth on his face. This isn't currently affecting his quality of life and isn't in need of treatment. Timmy came into care of the branch after his owner was no longer able to cope with him as he kept sitting in the road, which resulted in people taking him to the vets and centres nearby. Georgia added, Now in a foster home, Timmy is kept as an indoor cat and has settled in well. His new owner would need to do the same and keep him indoors. Please do get in touch if you could provide a loving retirement home for the lovely Timmy. For more details, call 01283 569 165. Environmental charity Keep Britain Tidy has revealed that at least 559,505 adults in the West Midlands, 12% of the adult population, have done litter picking at least once in the past six months. The research was carried out to mark the launch of this year's Great British Spring Clean, the country's biggest mass participation environmental campaign, running from March 17th to April 2nd. Every year, hundreds of thousands of individuals take part in the campaign, picking up the litter that pollutes our streets, parks and beaches, and showing the world that they care about the environment on their doorstep. Last year, more than 430,000 volunteers, including school children, faith groups, businesses and community groups, pledged to take part, collecting a staggering 449,406 bags of rubbish across the country, from the north of Scotland to the Cornish coast. Litter picking is a simple action that anyone can do to make an immediate and visible difference to their area and can increase the sense of pride that people feel about the community in which they live. Of those who took part in last year's Great British Spring Clean, 85% nationally reported that taking part made them feel more pride in their local area. Keep Britain Tidy believes everyone should live in a community of which they can be proud, but less than half, 45% of adults in the West Midlands, currently agree that they feel proud of their community. This level of pride is also reflected in the extent to which people feel part of their community, which in the West Midlands only accounts for 37% of adults. The charity wants to encourage everybody to take pride in their area by taking part in the hashtag Big Bag Challenge, pledging on its website to pick a bag or more of litter, helping to make a huge difference to the environment. To find out more and to make a pledge, visit keepbritantidy.org. Time now for our latest edition of Sight Loss Tips, provided by the charity InfoSound. For further details on any of the items and practical information in this bulletin, you can also contact Beacon's team of sight loss advisors on 01902 880 and that number again 01902 880 News and information about living with sight loss. 
from InfoSound. Hello and welcome to the fifth edition of InfoShorts from InfoSound, a brief bulletin of information, including a handy tip to help daily living with sight loss. Now, in this edition, a talking clock, colour contrast and food, and training sighted friends and family to guide. Now, you'll hear a few phone numbers and email addresses mentioned, and these could well be worth noting down, so you can then follow up what you've heard here by talking to those who can give you fuller information should you want to know more. As you'll no doubt be aware, there are a number of talking clocks on the market, and these talking timepieces can also often be found in local resource centres. One such talking clock is sold by Cobalt Systems, and it's their T10, which is a white, triangular-shaped clock with a black button at the top of the triangle. You just press that button to get the time in a female voice. 2.55pm. 2.55pm. This unit can be used as either a conventional liquid crystal display alarm clock or what's described as a full-function talking device, meaning that all its functions are spoken when setting the time or the alarm. You may or may not need some help with setting it up when first bought. It measures 144 by 107 by 80 millimetres and it's powered by four standard AA batteries. InfoSound now, on each edition of Info Shorts, as you might be aware, we feature a handy tip or hint, a bit of advice about the practicalities of living with sight loss. You may be familiar with some of these others, maybe not. Many are very simple, but they really can make a difference. And providing today's tip is Anita Plant, Rehabilitation Officer and Low Vision Advisor at the national charity, the Partially Sighted Society. And Anita, this time we're focusing on just one area in the home where colour contrast can really help things to stand out for someone with low vision, I think. Absolutely. Contrast is really massive in helping with that residual vision and making things easier to see. And one of the things that people often say that they have difficulty with is eating, so seeing the food on the plate. So that's a classic example of how we can use contrast. So if you've got a white plate on a white tablecloth and you've got macaroni cheese, it's going to just be hopeless to see. So if you were to put that same white plate onto a black background, like a placemat, the white plate is going to stand out more against the background than it would if it was just on a white tablecloth. Following that forward, you can then think about the food on your plate and how you can use the contrast in colour food. So one of the things I always suggest is always have a plain pattern plate. Don't have any patterns on the plate because you find you end up, you know, trying to scrape up the pattern thinking there's still some food there. So a plain plate and either a dark plate or have two plates, a dark black or very dark blue plate and a white plate. So if we are thinking of a dark plate, we would put that on a white background and a light plate would be on a dark background. And I seem to remember that there are chopping boards of different colours for that very reason. Foods are different colours if you're trying to chop them when you're preparing your food. That, yeah. that could be very important and very helpful uh, as well. Absolutely, yep. So um, different colour chopping boards. And again, think about the you know the vegetable. If you're peeling an onion or chopping a potato, don't put that on a white chopping board. Put it on a dark chopping board and vice versa. And when deciding what colours, what colour 
contrasts could work best for someone i guess everyone's different aren't they their residual vision will be different but also what colors work best and don't work best that's going to be different person to person yeah absolutely it's very subjective to the individual so i think universally the easiest one to see is black on yellow black on white is very clear or white on black but i think the thing to do with that is just to see just try try different color foreground and background colors to see what actually works for you very helpful anita thanks very much indeed info sound Although you may be the one with a vision impairment, we're finishing this time with news of how the charity Guide Dogs, Friends and Family Sighted Guiding Training, could indirectly be of benefit to you. Guide Dogs offers training for sighted people who want to feel confident when guiding a friend or family member with a vision impairment. It enables them to help a blind or partially sighted person, and that of course could be you, to get out and about and to do the things they enjoy. The Guide Dogs training team gives tips for practical guiding and they discuss some of the emotional consequences of sight loss and offer an introduction to issues around access rights for those with sight loss. And of course, these training sessions can enable those taking part to meet others with similar experiences, with the chance to share knowledge, offer support and even form friendships. These free sessions typically last around two hours and if you or someone you know would like to know more, details can be found on the Guide Dogs website at www.guidedogs.org.uk guidedogs.org.uk under how you can help then sighted guide training or you or they can phone guide dog central number 0800 781 that's 0800 781 So with that, we come to the end of this, the fifth edition of the Info Shorts Bulletin from InfoSound. Please do tell others about this service if you feel they might find it of interest. And we hope you can join us next time. Until then, thanks for listening. News and information about living with sight loss from InfoSound. Coming up next on this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have another block of local news. Paying for prescriptions can be expensive, especially if you have a long-term health condition. England is the only one of the four UK nations that charges for prescriptions, with the current cost standing at £9.35 per item. In this special feature, Debt and Energy Manager Dan Bebbington explains how you could save money on your prescriptions, such as getting a prepayment certificate, PPC. It effectively works as a prescription season ticket and covers all of your NHS prescriptions within a certain time frame, no matter how many items you need. A prepayment certificate costs £30.25 for three months or £108.10 for a year. It's generally worth doing if you're going to buy four or more prescriptions over three months or 12 or more prescriptions over a year. You can also pay in 10 monthly instalments if you buy an annual prepayment certificate. It's quickest to buy a prepayment certificate online at services.nhsbsa.nhs.uk forward slash buy hyphen prescription hyphen prepayment hyphen certificate. The certificate normally starts from the day you submit your application unless you request otherwise. You can also call the prepayment certificate order line on 0300 
330-1341 or buy one directly from certain pharmacies. You can receive your certificate details by email if you provide an address, print them at the end of your online application or receive the details by post, although this option might take a few days. Once you have it, all you have to do is show your certificate details when you collect your prescription. You can collect prescriptions straight away if your start date is immediate. Before you buy a PPC, it's always worth checking first if you're eligible for free prescriptions. Whether you get help depends on a number of things like your age, income, where you live, if you get certain benefits, if you're pregnant and if you have a medical condition. You're entitled to free medicines if you're under 16 or over 60 or you're in full-time education and aged between 16 to 18. There's an online service which allows you to check your eligibility in just a few minutes. You can find it by visiting services.nhsbsa.nhs.uk forward slash check hyphen for hyphen help hyphen paying hyphen NHS hyphen costs forward slash start. More than 150,000 vouchers for a discount on energy bills worth hundreds of pounds have gone unclaimed in the West Midlands. The West Midlands Combined Authority has revealed that thousands of households have neglected to take up the offer of the £400 government-funded discount intended to ease the pressures of soaring energy costs. Andy Street, West Midlands Mayor, urged all those who have yet to claim to make sure to do so by checking online or contacting their provider before the March 31st deadline. He said, central to the cost of living pressures currently facing local people right across our region are rising energy bills. That's why I want to ensure that everyone is receiving all the help that they're entitled to from the government. So I'm urging those 150,000 plus households in the West Midlands who have yet to redeem their vouchers to make sure to claim the benefit before it is too late. This has been a tough winter for far too many, which is exactly why it's so important that nobody misses out on this unprecedented offer of support. The government's energy bill support scheme was first introduced in May last year and applies to all households in Great Britain. The £400 discount was initially applied with reductions of £66 in October and November 2022 and then £67 every month between December 2022 and March this year. People that use prepayment meters may be required to redeem their vouchers at their local top-up point. Suppliers have a responsibility to inform their customers how to access government support using the vouchers and must make several attempts to contact people who haven't redeemed them. As of the end of January, 76% of all vouchers issued so far have now been redeemed, meaning support reached more of these households than at any other point since the scheme began. For more information, please visit www.gov.uk forward slash get dash help dash energy dash bills forward slash getting dash discount dash energy dash bill. A popular family fun colour run is coming back to Wolverhampton to raise money for people impacted by sight loss. 
the event to raise funds for the Beacon Centre for the Blind will be taking place at the city's East Park on Sunday, May the 14th. The 5K event is suitable for all ages and as participants make their way around the route, there will be four colour stations where they will receive a blast of brightness. People can choose to run, walk or even jump their way around the course. The colour run has been organised by the Beacon Centre, which also runs Wolverhampton's popular Santa Run to support people with sight loss living locally. All proceeds will help support the charity's work. Tickets are £6 for children, £9 for running club members, £11 for adults and free for youngsters under the age of three. Beacon's supporter engagement manager, Sophie Higgins, said, Our first ever colour run in 2022 was such a success that we are delighted to be bringing it back. It's such a fun event for all the family and we can't wait to bring a blast of colour back to Wolverhampton in 2023. To sign up, head to Beacon's website at beaconvision.org slash colour hyphen run or you can call Beacon on 01902 880 Participants can also purchase a range of items to use on the day including sunglasses, a t-shirt and their own colour powder packets if they want an extra blast of brightness. Folk songs from the black country will feature in a concert this weekend. Starbridge-based Stream of Sound are singing at St Peter's Parish Church, Church Rose Cradley, on Saturday afternoon from 2.30pm. James Brooks from the church said, We welcome Starbridge-based youth choir Stream of Sound to St Peter's this Saturday as they treat us to folk songs from the black country and around the world. The choir is made up of people aged between 12 and 25 years old and are much in demand for performances all around the country. He added, the group sing without any musical accompaniment and use their voices to create spine-tingling harmonies. They have recently been featured on BBC National Radio. Refreshments will be served during the interval and there will be our second-hand music store to browse. Admission is free with a retiring collection in aid of St Peter's Community Vision Project, which will see the community facilities of the building improved so that it can be used more by community groups. Up now, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Hello again everyone, I do hope that you're all as well as you can be again this week and managing to keep warm too. I have to say that I'm glad that February is gone and the prospect of warmer days is much closer now for us all. Not that I'm afflicted by the great British obsession with the weather, of course, you understand, but even so, did you know that? (coughs) Greenland Ranch in Death Valley, California, recorded the highest temperature ever on July 10th, 1913, with the temperature hitting a whopping 134 degrees Fahrenheit, that's 56.7 degrees Celsius. On the flip side, the lowest temperature ever recorded was on July the 21st, 1983, in Vostok, Antarctica, with a temperature hitting a cool minus 89.2, at minus 128.5 degrees Fahrenheit. The highest recorded rainfall was in 1956 in Unionville, Maryland, and in Reunion Island on 2007 off the east coast of Africa when 23 inches of rain fell in just 60 seconds. To date, that is the highest recorded rainfall in one minute. The most rainfall in a week ever recorded was again on Reunion Island in 2007 and it was 5 metres at a height, enough to cover a lorry. 
The windiest place on earth is Chicago. Chicago is often referred to as the Windy City, as the city is very windy. However, the windiest place on the planet is Cape Denison, a rocky point at the Commonwealth Bay in East Antarctica, with winds reaching 153 kilometers an hour. And would you believe worms prepare for a flood? Worms actually wriggle up to the surface of the earth before a flood. It's because they can't get oxygen when the soil is flooded, and as such they come up to the surface to breathe. The heaviest hailstorm that had ever been authenticated by unofficial authorities fell during a severe hailstorm in the district of Bangladesh on April the 14th, 1986. It weighed in at 2.25 pounds at 1 kilo. The intense hailstorm killed 92 people. And in Europe, the record held for the largest was 2.1 pounds, 0.97 kilos. And if you think it's been cold recently, then spare a thought for London during what has been dubbed the Mini Ice Age, when it was so cold that the Thames froze over for months. In fact, so frozen was it, fairs were held on the ice. Between 1607 and 1814, there were a total of seven major frost fairs, as well as countless smaller ones, featuring everything that you would expect in the crowded streets of London, but on ice. In some parts, the ice was several feet thick, while in others it was dangerous to venture upon. In fact, there were injuries and casualties in a number of the frost fairs. In 1739, a huge section of ice gave way and swallowed whole tents, businesses and people. So it was very dangerous, with fatal consequences. Walking on frozen water is something we should never be attempting at all to do these days. Well, if that last item hasn't made you feel grateful that we don't get such extreme weathers, then nothing will. In road up, I'm off. I think I'll stick the kettle on and have a cuppa. I think I'll fill me hot water bottle and all. I've made myself feel quite chilly reading this last one. <sighs> Till next week then, I'll say bye for now. Ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra. Up now, we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us as always by Mina. weather for this week ahead is forecast to be rather unsettled with mix of sunny spells and plenty of showers. Temperatures are forecast to be milder than last week, averaging around 9 degrees. UV levels are expected to remain low all week. The sunrise and sunset times are 6.30am for the sunrise and 6.10pm for the sunset. For Friday 10th of March, the forecast is looking a little wintry with a chance of sleet and moderate breeze throughout the day. Temperatures should reach a maximum of 5 degrees. This spell of wet weather will continue as we move into the weekend and temperatures will continue to hold up at 8 degrees. But hold on tightly to those hats as things may become a little gusty through to Sunday with strong winds of up to 40 miles per hour forecast. On to next week and it'll be a lot more of the same with our brollies being kept busy as it is forecast for rain to remain in the region on Monday 13th of March and continue right through to Thursday 16th of March. The showers are forecast to be persistent but should begin to ease off in the later part of the week with possible sunny intervals breaking through as we head into Wednesday and Thursday. With the gusts easing off, temperatures should continue to hover around 8 degrees. So that's your forecast for this week. As always, enjoy the weather! Cheers for that weather update, Mina. Up now, it's time to find out how our local football teams have been getting on. 
Wolves 1, Tottenham Hotspur 0. A spectacular Adama Traore second-half volley secured a crucial three points as Wolves beat Spurs at Molyneux. Julen Lopetegui made three changes from the lacklustre loss to Liverpool in midweek with a 4-2-3-1 formation that included a surprise first appearance since October for Pedro Neto. Wolves put in a poor display in the first half as they allowed Spurs far too much time and space to create openings on goal. The visitors' inability to take their chances saved Wolves, with the woodwork coming to the rescue on a couple of occasions. With Spurs dominating, Julen Lopetegui made some interesting tactical changes, with Mario Lemina dropping deep into a back five at times to man-mark Harry Kane. Midway through the half, there was also an enforced change, as forward Diego Costa went down with a knee injury. After a lengthy delay receiving treatment on the pitch, he was eventually stretched off, with Raúl Jiménez taking his place. Spurs kept probing and came close again, but the home team survived the eight minutes of added time to take a nil-nil draw into the break. Wolves were clearly not at the races and Lopetegui made a tactical switch to bring Nathan Collins and Adama Traore on at half-time, switching to a 5-2-3 formation. That plan, which saw Wolves match Spurs' shape, saw a much-improved second half of the hosts, where they rallied to create a handful of big chances. The decisive strike came in the 82nd minute when Adama smashed home a half-volley off the crossbar to secure an incredibly important three points in the relegation race and lift the hosts up to 13th in the table. Speaking after the victory, Julen Lopetegui heaped praise on Raúl Jiménez, the architect of Adama Traoré's winner. He said, I want to highlight a lot of players, but above all, Raúl Jiménez has played a fantastic match in my opinion. It's good news for him and for us. He didn't score, but he was very important in a lot of facets of the play. In my opinion, he has made a very good match. From a decisive strike in the black country to a damaging few blows in the northeast for the baggies, as a depleted Albion, missing 10 players through injury or illness, took another knock, with a disheartening 2-0 defeat at bottom half Hull City. The latest defeat, a fifth away in a row in all competitions, leaves Carlos Corberan's side six points adrift of the top six. Playoff hopes are not entirely extinguished, but ever fading as Albion continue their away woes. A trip to the MKM Stadium was billed as the first of four fixtures against struggling teams prior to the international break, but Albion will need to improve markedly from a confidence-sapping showing here. The visitors didn't struggle for chances created, but were woeful in their finishing, with a loss of composure all over the park. It was one-way traffic in Albion's favour when Benjamin Tete scored his first Tigers goal against the run of the play after half an hour. Corbyran's men totally lost their way after the opener and were grateful for the half-time whistle after a desperate 15 minutes lacking tempo or composure. Any hopes of the visitors dragging themselves level were all but extinguished 12 minutes into the second half as defender Sean McLaughlin headed in from a corner to highlight more set-piece issues on a night of more travel sickness. The goal knocked all wind out of Albion's sails. The away fans trudged for the exits ahead of the long road home. The baggies looked sorry for themselves at the ever-fading prospect of a promotion push. Speaking after the game, Carlos Corberan blamed Albion's damaging 2-0 defeat at Hull on a wastefulness in front of goal. He said, An analysis of the game is very simple. Everything we created, we couldn't score. The few things they did create, they did score from. The visitors had 21 shots at goal at the MKM Stadium, with six on target. 
Hull managed 6 and 2 respectively. It was also 70% possession in favour of Corberan's side, and while creating chances was not an issue, Albion's lack of composure proved to be costly. Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out, as we have the quiz answers. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Feeling confident? How will you score? Let's see. Question one. Where was the hottest temperature recorded? And the answer? Death Valley, USA. Question two. Where was the coldest temperature recorded? And the answer here is Vostok, Antarctica. Question three. Which city has been dubbed the Windy City? And the answer here is Chicago. Question four. What do worms do in case of a flood? And the answer, of course, is wriggle to the surface. Question five. What is the weight of the heaviest hailstone recorded? And the answer here is one kilo. Finally, question six. What appeared on the ice when the River Thames froze for months? And the answer here is frost fairs were held. How did you get on? Did you get them all right? If not, not to worry, as I will be back next week to test you once again. Bye for now. Time now is to head back to Christmas 1943 for the final part of Scottish author Liz McIntyre Allen's best-selling novel, Love Letters from a Desert Rat. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Now driver mechanic Alec McIntyre was well over 30 by this time He'd never been promoted, he hated bosses He hated everything about the army in fact Apart from one glorious day Which was the next day? Christmas Day 1943. Nan, I was appointed site commander for the day. I was made Captain McIntyre, Nan. The chaps decided I was the best man for the job. I had to wear a revolver round my waist, Nan. I gave all the officers the dirty jobs. I signed everything A. McIntyre, Captain R.A. I had a splendid day, Nan. I ordered a parade at 9.30 in the morning and I said if any man turned up properly dressed, I would put them on a charge. What a parade. We had soft hats, bowler hats, one-time football jerseys. The drill was a real one. There were a few drunks in parade and I was led around by a chap with an old eye-tie accordion. Talk about a laugh. I had the honour of reading out Monty's Christmas message and of our great advances since last year in Elagaila in North Africa. I'm sorry, Nan. I seem to have mixed up my pages. Put it down to the effects of the morning after. Because I did have quite a variety of drink, I must have a remarkable capacity for a usually sober man. And dear wife, I've just been told the lads have brought in a piano on a lorry. Now, don't ask questions where it came from. We don't. Ha ha. And at the same time, I'm now wanted to join the crowd of chaps with my guitar. However, let my public clamour. I intend to finish this letter tonight to my dear wife. And 
here's Alec three years in, and it's Christmas 1943, and he's in Italy. And he's about to get visits to cities of wonder, cities like Naples, Rome, even as far north as Venice. And as his daughter, I have come to respect and love this man. And I want the fantasy dad. I want the letter where he writes, you know, Nan, I saw Rome, what a magnificent city. Or, you know, Nan, I went to Venice, glories of Italian architecture, and that was not what Alex saw. Because by 1944 and into 1945, Italy was desperately bombed. Italy was in a terrible state. And Alex's view of Italy was a very grim one. You know, Nan, the shopkeepers never have change. I'll never come back to Italy, Nan. And so he keeps going and he plays his guitar and he joins his concert parties and always, always he replies carefully to Nan. They write so many letters that they have to number them. They make their plans for after the war. And when we reached 1945, I realised with enormous pleasure and poignancy, I suppose, that this dad of mine, who had said he was no letter writer, had written over 150,000 words to Nan in Glasgow. And the publisher, by that time I had a publisher, who said this is an excellent account of an ordinary soldier's life in World War II. How many words? And the publisher said, you have to take it down. Too many words. And I tried and I limited it a little and I edited out all the love and the kisses and the regards to everybody and their dogs and I came to the end of Alex's story. Summer of 1945. He steps on a troop ship in Naples and he comes back. Summer of 1945. He's given a medical. He's told he must never do any prolonged standing and with a glorious irony he's sent to work in the Woolwich Barracks post office, sorting letters. I like that. And Nan goes down to visit him. And all their hopes for post-war life were about to meet reality. He's finally demobbed in the December of 45. By that time, Nan's expecting their first baby. No chance of their own wee house. It's the front bedroom at Shields Road, next to the iron ore terminal in the dirty places as it was. And Nan loses that first baby in the spring of 46. And over their next years of married life, they both keep their chin up as best they can. They both hope for better lives. Nan digs deep and they're able to have two healthy children, not without another heartache. And Alex's health starts to decline. One heart attack is followed by another. And Alec McIntyre, driver, mechanic, and the dad I never actually knew, passes away at the age of 50. But we can't end there. Because, you see, Nan kept her chin up even after Alec was gone. And neither of them had had the chance of education. And that was her dream for her son and her daughter. So all the years when she worked in the school meals dinner service as a widow, she saved her money and she was able to somehow 
keep us on at the school to get hires. And then, of course, we qualified for the full grant. And she managed it with great strength and was able to enjoy my brother's graduation, first class honours. And you know, she was really a feminist, if you think about it, because when her daughter came along, that's me, by the way, she gave me the same chances and the same support. So we can't end on a sad note. They had their good years together. They had great love together. And I think Alec would have been very, very proud of Nan. And that's the end of our family story, which became the best-selling book, Love Letters from a Desert Rat. So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us. Stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!